Well, it's good to see you all and uh, excited to be in God's Word this morning. Well, as you uh, notice, even on the screen, we're in this series called Asking for a Friend. And the idea behind this series is we're wanting to address some of the questions that maybe you've had in interactions that you've had with people that are kind of wrestling through their, their faith and kind of what they believe about God. And, and is, this, is he real? How is he relevant? All these different questions. We typically work through books of the Bible. If you've been here a, a, a while, you're like, this is very unusual because we basically just pick a book and kind of work our way through it. But I also uh, believe that it's important for us to address some of the things and mandates in Scripture. I think of 1 Peter 3.15 says, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So my heart in this series is to help us, to equip us to be better able to give the hope for the reason. Why are you holding on to, to this Jesus? Why are you holding on to this God when, when, there's, when there's all these different questions that are looming out there? And so my hope is for the believers in the room to be better equipped to respond to some of these in some of these interactions. But then twofold is also for maybe that somebody's in here that's been wrestling through some of these questions themselves. And maybe this might be the, the, the hurdle that they've been, had trouble getting over. So my hope and prayer is twofold, that may, equipping us and also maybe even allowing us to overcome some of the things that have kept us from embracing Jesus Christ. Let me pray before we introduce this morning's topic, though. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather and even to put the spotlight on you through our song and through our worship and even in our giving and the faithfulness there, God. We ask now that you'd speak to us through this study, that you'd equip us and prepare us to gently and with respect be able to interact with the world around us that's, that's hurting and asking tough questions. And I ask that you'd move in this time together, that your Holy Spirit would be present in this room, meeting us exactly where we're at with our questions, that this wouldn't be for the person down the road, but this would be a specific word for us. We invite that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So this morning's topic, and you've uh, probably maybe seen it already in your bulletin there, is asking for a friend, and the question is, if God is good, why so much pain? If God is good, why so much pain? And that's a, a question that's fairly natural to ask when you're looking across the horizon and all the different things that people are dealing with and, and uh, addressing. You turn on the evening news, you're like, that's definitely a relevant question. Why so much pain? But it's not just a, a natural question. It's also a personal question. So I know even in this room right now, there's people that can specifically point to questions in their own life. Why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing this? So it's, it's not just big picture, it's also personal. And so we're wanting to tread lightly on this topic, I would suggest, because it's a, it's a dangerous topic to come to conclusions too quick on. If you remember a couple of years ago, we did a series working through the book of Job. It was called Blindsided. And the Blindsided, and if you're, if you're comparing uh, pain resumes, uh, Job really had an impressive uh, resume. He had experienced a lot of miserable stuff, and his friends weren't the best because they tried to rush to the why question too quickly. The dangerous thing of going too quickly to the why question is we're not always fully aware of all of the factors 
in your circumstances. We're limited by time and, and being here in the moment, you're like, you don't get to see the big picture. And so for us to rush too quickly to the why question, I think can be dangerous because you're not necessarily going to come to the right conclusions on your own. It's also dangerous anytime you're trying to speak for God. That uh, can get us into trouble when you're like, God's like, I don't need you to answer that question. I'll, stick, I'll, I'll deal with it. And so as Job's friends learned, the why question's not the best. And so this morning, we're going to approach it a little bit differently and try to take a perspective. The same thing that they did in Job was went to the thousand foot view, the big picture, different factors that are in play that help us make sense out of our pain. Not necessarily answering for every person specifically, but some different factors that, are, that, are, that are, should be considered when you're wrestling through your pain. Hopefully that'll make sense as we work through it. The first one is this. You see it there in your notes, the two words, and we've just off this Genesis study of free will, free will. In Genesis, we determined to identify that our God in his unbelievable wisdom made the decision to give us, instead of making us robots that had to follow him, he gave us free will to decide whether or not we would follow his leadership. That was part of his initial design. But with free will, there comes with that the decision, once you've chosen one route to go outside of his plan and outside of what's best, there are ramifications of going outside of those boundaries. You go outside of the boundaries, you gotta expect that it's not necessarily going to go well for you. That's part of the perspective of big picture that's important for us to get. My son for Christmas, his one thing on his list, he wanted, he has a, he's really into uh, some gaming stuff, so he has a computer, and he wanted to get a new motherboard. I don't even know what a motherboard is. And, uh, and a new casing that had lights and fans and all kinds of stuff going on in this thing. And he was committed, though, because all we did is went on Amazon and clicked, and, uh, and, and he got all this stuff. He had to take apart his entire computer and just rebuild this whole thing. And guess what he used to do it? YouTube, YouTube videos, basically for hours. It was literally days in our house that it was all spread out across our dining room table. He's reassembling this computer. And what I was so proud of him for doing is every single step he checked, he double checked, he triple checked because he understood a simple principle that's relevant here. If you don't do it well, if you don't do it, within the, the manufacturer's way of doing it, you can't cheat it. You know, like the, the, this thing will blow, like you blow your motherboard. Uh, like that's a, like this, that sounded, <laughs> um, anyway, that's a, the idea. The, that, this idea of messing this thing up if you, if you don't do it within the, the, within the parameters is what my son understood. And so he checked and double-checked, triple-checked. And I was thinking about that for us to understand that perspective that sometimes, and I'm not saying all the time, sometimes our pain is directly related to going outside of his parameters with free will. He uses them there for us to be able to say, whoa, I gotta, I gotta get back on course. I typically take the drive in the mornings uh, between Thousand Oaks where we live off of Moore Park Road and we drive in and there's this section 
Uh, right, uh, right when you're just getting past the 23, and there's the, in the mornings where the sun is just directly hitting the road, and you, you're, you're literally blinded. You're like, I can't see. There's like six lanes. Anybody take this drive? There's like six lanes, and you're like, it's kind of a free-for-all. You're like, I have, I have no idea where the lanes are at. You're, you're like, just close your eyes and hope for the best. And, uh, and so I don't really do that. But... Uh, but what they have on there that's kind of cool, they've put these in the, the roads, is they have those little knobs in the road that what happens when you start to go a little bit to the right, a little bit to the, you're like, duh, 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 and you're like, oh, I gotta go over here. You go a little bit too far that way, duh, 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 and you're back over there. That's how I make it to work every morning. It's kind of a faith adventure. <laughs> and, and, and so I was thinking about that. I'm like, that's the explanation. We might not be able to, with our limited vision, be able to understand it. But when you get off the rails, you're like, oh, that's part of the free will thing. When we make decisions outside of his parameters, often pain are those little bumps that say they're kind of, kind of if you think about it, of kind of a, an alert mechanism, if you will. Well, get back on track, get back on track. And here's the thing to help us also make sense out of it. You're not just influenced by your free will decisions. You're also influenced, here's where the, the game gets interesting. You're also influenced by the free will decisions of others around you. Anyone ever been on the receiving end of pain because of someone else's poor free will choices? If we're ever going to be charismatic, we can get an amen there for a second. That's right. The, the, this, the, this idea, this picture of going outside of those boundaries, not just our choices, but those around us, so many things, if you actually isolate them and you're like, man, why am I going through this physical thing? Why am I going through this mental stuff, this financial stuff? So often it's linked to the whole free will system that we're a part of. So there's the first one. We're going to move along. Another one that helps us make sense from a thousand foot view, and you see it there in your notes, is that we're living behind enemy lines. And sometimes when you hear that, you're like, what do you, what do you mean, pastor? Let me, let me explain. Scripture is very clear that we're not the only players on this field. You're not the only ones involved in this. In fact, in our study in Genesis, we're introduced to another character by the name of Lucifer or Satan. You see, that angelic beings had the same free will choice that we had to either follow God's leadership or go their own direction. Well, they chose, a third of them chose poorly. And guess where God, when he was moving them out of heaven, guess where the destination was for these angelic beings? that rejected God. Here, right here on earth. Isn't that great? You're, you're cohabitating with fallen spiritual beings. In God's wisdom, he allowed Satan to be a voice in the decision-making process for mankind, whether or not to follow God's leadership or go their own way. Satan nudged us a particular direction. It didn't go very well, you remember, with Adam and Eve. What, what that did was that then from there, from that moment forward, that ushered in his combative role with mankind from then forward. For us, when we're trying to make sense out of our pain, it's important for us to understand what 1 John 5, 19 says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 
he's here and he wants to deceive and destroy and do everything possible to destroy and come after mankind. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's not just going around aimlessly. He has an intention. He wants to seek to devour. He wants to destroy. For the believer, it's one agenda. For the non-believer, it's another agenda. For the non-believer, he wants to keep somebody as best as he can, angry at God and rejecting the provision of Jesus Christ. For the non-believer, he wants to get us to say, shake our fist at God in our pain and saying he's cruel and unfair and uncaring. He wants us to come to that conclusion. For the believer, he would love the exact same thing. His agenda is to keep them on the sidelines as uninvolved in this whole thing as possible. So Satan has an agenda with the angelic, other fallen angelic beings. And one of the tools that he uses, which is a primary tool, is pain. We saw it in the book of Job. And it's interesting because he's not a, a peer or an equal to God. Every single thing he had to run through the filter of approval, saying, you know what, if I take this away, do you remember with Job? If I, if I take away his family, if I take away all of his finances, if I, if I start inflicting physical pain on himself, then he'll reject you. Then he'll, 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 he'll ultimately curse you, was the verbiage that he used, curse God. But here's the interesting thing. Satan really has two tools I would uh, uh, address in this kind of system there. One is pain, getting us to reject God. Another that he uses is pleasure and success because that has the same result. Pleasure and success causes, pain causes us to question and shake our fist at God. Pleasure and success starts to get us to think maybe we don't need God. Maybe we're okay on our own. Remember an interview some years back with my very favorite sports athlete by the name of Michael Jordan. Maybe you've heard of him before. Uh, basketball player. Uh, remember in the interview, the person I loved that they were, had the courage to ask this. They said, hey, just, Jordan, just wondering what your views are on, on faith and God and, 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 all, uh, and, and Jesus and asking these questions. He said, you know what? Right now, I'm just enjoying life. At some point later, I might deal with some of those questions. I was like, huh, it's a great example of that, that, that someday, a lot of times, never ever comes. So two tools of the enemy that God allows. One is pain, another is success. Both making sure are factors in our understanding of the big picture. A lot of times people are like, why so much pain? Sometimes I would ask the opposite question. I'm surprised that there's not more pain in this free will system with those intending to destroy and tear us down. Scripture is very clear that where this battle lies, Ephesians 6, 12, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're on a planet that's rejected God, both with physical and spiritual beings. So that, those are also factors in understanding pain from a thousand foot view. Another one to bring up, somebody might ask this question. They might say, okay, pastor, if that's the case, why doesn't God isolate pain 
and direct it to just those who have rejected him. Have you ever wondered that? You're like, why does he just kind of focus it on the bad people? And of course, I'm not in the bad people category, right? Just those other bad people. And here, here's the thing to understand. This is a less popular conversation to have in Christian circles. And you see it there in your notes, is this reality that pain is often one of God's transformational tools in our lives. Pain, whereas the enemy uses it as a tool, God's like, you know what? I can use that tool also. He might not be the source of it, but he allows it because he has an agenda often with pain. I want to talk through some of those. You see them there in your notes. The first one is uh, rampant in the Old Testament is God uses pain to punish as a consequence of sin for the non-believer. For the non-believer, often God's like, you know what, I'm perfectly loving, but I'm also perfectly just. And so he uses that. We see in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, you see it individually all over the Old Testament. It's a consequence. And here's the thing that you have to understand that it's actually often a necessary consequence. It's kind of often the, the consequence that comes, the punishment is what often leads somebody that's rejected God to recognize, oh, wait a second. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to get my life straight. Maybe I need to get back on track. I've heard it said before, often the, the, the clearest view of God is from our backs, right? Sometimes he has to knock us down in order for us to recognize our need for him. So disciplining followers, or I'm, I mean punishing sin. Then the second one, disciplining followers. You see it there on the screen. I uh, remember growing up, uh, my parents would, or actually specifically, since he's right here, my dad would make this statement, and I never understood. He would always say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Anybody, anybody hate that statement growing up? You're like, I don't know. My butt's pretty sore right now. Like, uh, it's a... <laughs> I, I don't know about the comparison, but it's funny as I've gotten older, I start to realize what he meant by that because you love somebody as a parent so much, you're just like, oh, I don't really like to do this. I don't find joy in this. I don't wanna, I don't wanna ground my, my kid again and then again the next day. And then, the, you know what I mean? Like, what more can I take away from him? Like, uh, there, there's part of this that, that hurts you, but there's also this principle that you understand that absent of discipline some lessons that just aren't learned, right? Absent from discipline without some kind of consequence. It's a necessary tool in the shaping of one's character. Our God understands that with us. Sometimes he's like, you know, you, you gotta be taken through this in order for you to ding, 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 ding. Maybe I should adjust and redirect behaviors and responses and choices. So they're, for us, dis disciplining followers, but ultimately that leads to the next one with the intent of us being strengthened. With the intent of us being strengthened. There's a principle with strength of how it works is that you're only able to carry a load after you've already carried smaller loads. Anybody have uh, going to the gym as part of your New Year's resolution? You show up at the gym and the principle that you understand is you get yourself underneath some weights, you start light, and as your body adjusts, you're just like, all right, I can add a little bit more weight. Then after over time, you add a little bit more and gradually you build up your ability to lift weight. When I was in a college, 
had a couple meathead roommates in college that were just really into to weightlifting. And I remember being in the gym and trying to k- kind of keep up with them. Uh, it was not a fun endeavor. I remember one time we were doing bench presses and, uh, and I had a set amount that was the most I'd ever done and they could do way more. And they're like, you know, Scott, let's, it's, it's all mind over matter, you know? Like, so they threw a couple more plates on and, uh, and, and I'm like, yeah, you're right, it is. I just need to, I just need to. So they helped me lift this thing, uh, the, the bench press off. And, and then when they released the two sides, it, mind over matter went nowhere, right? In fact, it was my, 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 my sternum touched my spine. Like it was like, it was, it, 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 it was unbelievable. I, I remember having a bruise across my chest because, because the principle is this. The principle is this, you have to build, you have to experience a certain level of weight before you can add more to it. You can't, and our God understands this. You're behind enemy lines. You're in a free will system. You have to be introduced to some degree of pain if you're ever going to survive in this environment. It's like, oh, I got, in order to build you up, to strengthen you, I've got I've to let some things through the filter. Otherwise, when you get hit with real pain, you collapse. So our God, in his kindness, because he knows what's best for us, he lets some things go through the filter with strengthening as the intent. It's the faith exam, if you will, the test. He's like, all right, if he's going to pass that future test, He's got to pass some of these current tests now, if you will. Next one you see there, other purposes in God's shaping uh, of us, is it's also intended to reveal his comfort and grace in our life. One of the harder things that we went through as a church this past year was uh, with both Josh and Lindsay and the loss of little baby JJ. It hit us all a little bit hard, and I I was talking to them, and I got permission to, to bring this up, but one of the things that stuck out, if you were there, anybody at the memorial service, it was a powerful worship experience is what it was. And I remember when Josh was sharing, one of the things that stuck in my mind, he described after sweet little JJ breathed his last breath, he described, he's like, man, we're in this waiting room. He's like, I can't explain it. He's like, in, in that waiting room, there is just a thick presence of God. His presence was so real. It was just, he described it. I remember these words. He used the words, it was a holy moment. It was was a time where where they, they didn't, they weren't worried about getting the why questions answered. They just needed an encounter with God. Sometimes for us in our pain, God uses it. He's not, he's not saying, I'm gonna do this to you, but he's saying, oh, please, I want you to find me to be your source of comfort be your source of strength for you to, to, to meet you in this place and to find him sufficient because he is, because he is sufficient in whatever we're going through. So as unpopular as it is, he's like, you know, what? I'm, I'm allowing this to happen because I want you to be, come to me and find me as that source of strength, of comfort. He draws close to the brokenhearted is what God's word says. On that next one there, the fulfill heavenly purposes, the reason I jot that down is because there's some things that when you're going through it, and here's the important thing to understand, that you're like, the reason why, I have no idea. Some things it's important for us to just say, you know what, God's got the big picture, and again, the trust exercise, 
He's got the big picture. He knows, I don't know. It's important for us to acknowledge what our place is in making sense out of this. And sometimes it's like, you know what? I submit. It's a trust thing. I'm going to just remain under this and wait for him to turn something terrible and make it good. And ultimately, that's what's coming at the end of the road for the follower of Jesus Christ. Sometimes when we're going through pain, we look at a list like that and we're like, wow, I wonder which one he's doing in my life. Anybody like that? You're like, I wonder, here's what I think. I was kind of stewing on this over the last couple of days. Here's what I think. I think the best approach for that is go through the list and say, I think he's trying to do all of those things. For, you, for us to, to discipline, anybody, if he wasn't disciplining one specific sin, it could be something else. So it's it's kind of like when I uh, get a speeding ticket, and I can't get mad at him even if I wasn't speeding, because I'm like, well, I was five minutes ago. And so like, it, it, it's this idea of like, hey, allow it to be some degree of, of discipline, to put, put your uh, eyes a little bit more focused on some areas that you're, str- you're struggling in. Maybe allow, allow it to be that. Is it, it was the intending for it to strengthen you? Yeah, allow that too. Is he wanting to reveal his comfort? Yeah. Is it a trust exercise? Yes. There's the wonderful thing about how God uses these things. You don't have to be picky in which one you're wanting to see him do. Pick all of them, you know, go with the full package there. There's a couple thoughts uh, from um, my meditation on that this week. Moving on, a couple uh, more big picture uh, views. You see it there in your notes, demonstrate superiority of a life with Christ. One of my uh, pet peeves, maybe you experience this too, is when someone comes up to you when you're in the middle of a miserable time and they make this statement. They say, I know exactly what you're going through. Don't you hate when somebody says that? And then they go on to share an example of something minute in comparison. You're like, wait a second. You're like, I don't know, you stubbed your toe and I, you know, like, uh, and so here's the thing that I love about that. I love about our God when he makes that statement, it's actually true. It's actually true. When he says he's a high priest that can empathize with the things we're going through, it's because he is. Look at his, look at his pain resume. Think of all the things he went through while he's here, the, the rejection, the suffering, the, the, the physical pain, you name it, the checklist, he can make that statement. So when he says, I know exactly what you're going through, the answer is like, yeah, he does. He's qualified to make that statement. And he promises not just that he's been through it, but man, I'm gonna walk through this with you. I'm not leaving you. These things aren't separate. I wanna walk through the worst stuff, and I want to be there right in the thick of it with you. He's not somebody that's gotten clear and is like, all right, I'm done with that. He's like, no, I want to go back through it again with you. I love when Paul asks, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? He answers his own question a couple of verses later. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. He wants to walk through you and see you conquer, see you on the other side of it. Demonstrate the superiority of a life with Christ as opposed to a lone ranger approach. You notice that, and you can all identify this, when you see somebody going through pain, you can tell the person that's trying to do it on their own, and you can tell the person that's really leaning in, something that's taking God up on his offer. 
Somebody that's, that's trusting in him, that's calling out to him, that, that, that's doing the adventure because our ears turn, t- tend to perk up when somebody's going through pain, right? You notice all of a sudden the things that are said. You notice their responses. You're, 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 you're listening. You're like, what's, how are they going to approach this? What's their response to this pain? So for us, the invitation, and this is maybe one small upside, is that we get to do a product demonstration, if you will, of a life superior with Christ rather than on your own. This whole product demonstration, I jotted that down this week and it flooded back memories. Anybody ever get uh, snookered into some of the TV late night things or Facebook things for sale? And you're like, man, that looks awesome. Like, I want a knife that can cut through a shoe. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> I, I, like uh, all, all of these things, you, st- you, start, you start stewing through and you think about all of it hinges on the product demonstration. If they, if they can catch you on the Oh, I want that. I, I want to be able to clean my, my gym shoes to be that white again. You know, like uh, before all of these things, when you view it, that's, that's the appeal. And for us, engaging in the lost free will world in which we're placed, sometimes you got to take your pain and say, you know what? This is an awesome opportunity to demonstrate what it looks like when you're walking with Christ as opposed to doing yourself. That's one of the maybe upsides of pain. Not putting on a front, but leaning in to the invitation to draw close to him because he's been through it and he wants to walk with you through it as well. Very last one, and we'll close with this, another thousand foot view thing or point to consider when wrestling through pain. The statement that you see in your notes, we're ultimately rescued. So last week I saw this video, and sometimes uh, you're not sure if the video like happened last week or if it happened like a couple years ago. I saw that this video of this uh, in China, this kid that had fallen through this uh, shaft in the ground into this well thing, and uh, I looked it up, and it was 2017, so it's not fresh news. Uh, but anything was interesting when I was uh, watching this thing play out. I mean, they took this thing really seriously. They went to the unbelievable extremes to get this kid out. They had these big backhoe things pulling out, digging around. And the whole time, you could, they were showing above pictures of the sweet little one-and-a-half-year-old kid uh, down in there, lower, lowering him a sippy cup, you know, teddy bear. Like, and he's down there. And uh, I remember as this story, as, the, as it un- unfolded in the, the account of it, when they finally pulled the kid out, like it was like it was a celebration. Like the like non-expressive people were like going crazy, like over because they showed the picture and they zoomed in as they're handing this little kid back to the mom, and you're like, oh, this is the best. But what I also noticed that maybe others may not have, that kid on the other side of like whatever the 36 hours he was down there, I mean, he was beat up. Like I'm seeing bruises. He's dirty. Like he, it was rough. He was going to, he was going to make it, but there was no denying that he came out a little bit worse for the wear. You know what I mean? Like he, he, he was, he wasn't exactly fresh and spunky on the other side of this experience. Now, and I was thinking about that as it parallels our time here on earth, our time here on earth. One, we should not get so focused like nobody was blaming the rescue workers. Like you bruised his ankle. You're like nobody's, they, they looked at the big picture and said, hey, bottom line, this kid was rescued and he's back with his mom. For us, for us, when we're looking at this perspective in a hundred thousand years from now, if we've embraced Christ, 
we look back on some of these different things that we currently describe as pain, I think the focus isn't necessarily going to be on the bruises as they're legit bruises and nobody's taking that away. But the focus is on the rescue and what's on the other side of that for us to keep that big picture perspective that we have a God that loved us enough to come down into this broken, fallen world and come on a rescue mission that was, uh, that was literally fatal for him, that he came down, lived the perfect life, died on a cruel cross, rose again, providing the rescue plan to be pulled out of that well and for us to understand that when we're trying to make sense out of our pain, I think is an important component of one of the different aspects of understanding our pain. I'm very empathetic and sympathetic to people that are going through something right now. When I talk about pain, some people in here are just like, Scott, you don't get it. You didn't address my point. You didn't hit on that. My hope is in all of this, that if there's anything that you take away, is that we have a God that wants to walk through it with you. You may not get the why answered on this side of eternity. But my prayer and my hope is that you come to know and encounter the God that does love you and does care about you and desperately wants relationship with you even in the midst of your pain. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to spend a little time looking at the big picture. And I know it doesn't answer all questions, but there are some aspects of understanding the thousand foot view that do bring some clarity to stuff that we're going through. So my hope and my prayer is that you'd meet people as I prayed in the beginning with some of those answers. And they'd find you to be sufficient for you to be the comforter that you promised to be. I thank you for this opportunity to be together. Thank you for this uh, community and the invitation that we even have to go through things together. You provide that. God, you're so good. We love you and praise you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. That's one of the hopes in all of this, that he's ultimately making things new in the process, whether it's our pain, our good stuff, our bad stuff, that he has you on his heart, on his mind. He loves you deeply. I pray you walk in that this week. If there's something specific we can pray for, we have a few volunteers here at the front. God bless you. Have a great week.